our scriptures again from James 3, beginning in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The title to our message today is, Do You Have Wisdom? Do you have wisdom? Because that is the question that God is calling you and me to consider here in these words. We're being asked, do you personally, do I have wisdom? And then beyond that question, if we do have wisdom, what kind of wisdom do we have? And then on beyond that question, one more asks, what kind of wisdom do we show to others by our behavior? What do others see when they are observing us? What kind of wisdom do they see? First, may we ask, what is wisdom? What is wisdom? Because here again, wisdom is another one of those words that people often struggle to define accurately. Much as the word truth that we considered in the message last week, most every person has their own version of meaning and definition for it. And that may be because wisdom really does have more than one source. It has a very secular usage and meaning as well as this biblical meaning that's given to us here. Now the dictionary does as dictionaries do. And it gives us the established and accepted meaning of the word wisdom. And there in the dictionary we're told that wisdom is a body of knowledge and principles that has developed within a specified society. And for us as individuals, wisdom is the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. And there in the dictionary they gave some synonyms of intelligence, common sense, and good judgment. Now within that definition, probably the best clue to its real meaning of this word wisdom found there in the words developed and also in experience. Because as we know, wisdom is not a quality of thinking and knowledge that a person is born with. It's acquired later on. And most often from sources that are outside of a person's own abilities. Yes, we put forth effort, but most of our wisdom comes from other sources, not from within. From this passage, we're also given the understanding that wisdom, listen, wisdom is not always trustworthy. Wisdom is not always trustworthy because depending upon where it is acquired, 
Wisdom can be good for us or it can be evil. Here being separated in these scriptures by these two most common sources of wisdom. Wisdom from the world. Other places in scripture calls it the wisdom of the wise. And then wisdom from above. Wisdom from God. And it's no accident that these words about wisdom follow along immediately after these stern warnings that God gives us about our tongues. Our inability to get control of and keep control of the words that seem to flow so freely from out of our mouths. That will reveal the wisdom. There is a strong connection between these two. Our wisdom and our tongue. Let me read again those words about our tongue in verse 6. We're told there that the tongue is a fire. The very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. Now why does God put these two matters together in the same chapter? The corrupt habits of our tongues and wisdom. It's because, again, depending upon the wisdom that you and I have acquired, worldly wisdom or wisdom from God, that will be the wisdom that our tongue employs and our behavior then demonstrates. Now let me read our passage again so it's fresh in our mind. Verse 13 again. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his conduct, by his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now again, these words give us two distinct kinds of wisdom. Wisdom from the world, which is earthly, sensual, and demonic, belonging to those people who are not of God, who do not have Christ as their Savior and Lord. They depend upon this kind of wisdom that's earthly and sensual and demonic. And then the other is wisdom from God, which is pure and peaceable, gentle, compliant, merciful, good, impartial, and sincere. And this wisdom comes down from heaven. Comes down from heaven and belongs to those who do know God and have Christ as their Savior. Now as we consider this word wisdom, may we keep in mind that this whole book of James has the general tenor of instructing us on the testing of our faith. This whole book has that focus of testing our faith. That's told to us in the very well, the second verse of the first chapter. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. 
This whole book is focused on the testing of our faith. And these matters of wisdom have to do with it. Now as to testing, one of the most important reasons for testing of any kind is to reveal what we know. When we are tested, the results are going to show what we know, what we think, what we feel. And as to this testing of our faith, it's designed to reveal this true nature that abides within our soul. What, what is our faith all about? Who is our faith based within? And as our faith is tested daily in all of these crucibles of ordinary circumstances, the wisdom that is within us, whatever its source, whatever its source will be clearly revealed. Will our behavior reveal the kind of wisdom that God desires us to have, that comes down from above, that is peaceable, good, or will our behavior reveal wisdom of another kind, the one that's earthly, sensual, demonic? Here in verses 8, well, verses 14 to 18, there's a contrast of these two. The false wisdom, wisdom of the world in verses 14 to 16, and then true wisdom, wisdom from God in verses 17 and 18. And when we look at our daily life and compare our lifestyles of daily behavior with this passage, the test results should be able to confirm our true nature. Whether we have the wisdom from God or we have a false wisdom. And so by looking closely at our own behavior, we're going to be able to know whether we are even truly redeemed, truly saved, or whether we just don't care at all, or perhaps we think we're saved but aren't really. But with that being said, with that being said, unfortunately sometimes those test results may reveal that though we are truly saved and we know that we are truly saved, those test results might show us that we are still dabbling or maybe even sometimes fully immersed in behaviors that we should flee away from. Looking at these words, I want us to first consider what God calls worldly wisdom because worldly wisdom truly is the most prevalent kind of wisdom. Worldly wisdom is that kind of wisdom, and I want you to listen to this carefully. Worldly wisdom is that kind of wisdom that flows across our tongues in our common conversation, across that coffee table at work. Well, let me tell you what I think. Or it is that wisdom that flows from our tongues across the truck bed between good friends that are leaning there and solving all the problems of the world. It's in those phone calls between good friends. But it's also across the boardroom tables of big corporations. And it's across those telephone lines as business transactions are taking place. And on and on. Listen. Much too often, it is the wisdom that husbands and wives and moms and dads spout out to one another in those busy exchanges that take place in family life. And it is not the wisdom that comes down from above, 
but is instead earthly and spiritual and demonic. But it came out of our mouths and it flowed so freely over our tongues. And we didn't even know that we were spouting out the wisdom of the world. We were just talking. That's one of the reasons why the warning about the tongues and wisdom is in this same chapter. Because we don't even know a lot of times when we are spouting out wisdom of the world. Now question, is all worldly wisdom wrong and bad? Unfortunately, though it may not seem so at the moment, for the most part, yes, it has wrongness all interlaced within it. And again, as I said a moment ago, we usually can't even recognize that it's there, that wrongness. I say that because much within the wisdom of the world comes from their copying portions, mimicking many of the elements of the wisdom of God. And we can see that especially so in so many of the things that take place in daily business. We can see a mixture of elements of worldly wisdom and godly wisdom being applied in our government transactions. There are those in our government that truly want to help the poor and the needy. And there are those who don't. And we get to decide which one is right. And we don't have all the facts. They don't either. And so mostly what we do is we sit across the coffee table and express our opinions to our friends. But it takes place in our military and our police transactions in in the, the things that they do. Practical wisdom being carried out with ordinary people benefiting some of them but not others. It gets so intertwined together we don't know the difference. The question that has occurred to me as I've considered this phenomenon of these good things and good things actually coming out of what is basically evil, the wisdom of the world, I came to realize that it's because of God's hand that is always at work because He is sovereign over the whole world. His hand is involved in the unbelievers' lives as well as those of us who believe. God's hand is always at work providing common grace to these ordinary people even though they may be demonstrating wrong behavior. The rain falls on the just and the unjust and it does not ask whether you're a believer or not. It blesses you. And so then God also provides these other forms of worldly wisdom that will bless believers and unbelievers alike without question. Now the warning in all of this for us believers is that we can easily get caught up in choosing the wrong kind of wisdom just from moment to moment. In a message that I heard recently from Bible teacher John MacArthur, he commented on how Solomon, though being the wisest man who would ever live, he seemed too often to apply very worldly wisdom to the matters of his daily life. And while for the most part Solomon blessed the nation of Israel, 
he himself seemed often in an agony of distress, crying out there in the book of Ecclesiastes that even with all of his wisdom, his life seemed to be a perpetual existence of meaninglessness. Meaninglessness. I'd like for you to turn to Ecclesiastes, if you would. Chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes, that's Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. And I want to read several verses to us because I want you and I to see how this very, very wise man can get caught up not having wise behavior. That behavior that he demonstrated. What kind of behavior do you and I demonstrate? Though we be believers. Let's start at verse 12 of chapter 1. Solomon says, I the preacher have been king over Israel in Jerusalem and I applied my heart to seek and to search out my by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of men to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun and behold all is vanity, a striving after the wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight and what is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me and my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge and I have applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but a striving after the wind. Notice all three there. To know wisdom and to know madness and folly. But all of it is a striving after the wind. For in much wisdom is much vexation. And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Chapter 2. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how I lay hold of folly. You notice there this intermixing? This wisdom and then the folly. And he says, how to lay lay hold of folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I thought as I read that, he said, I want to check and see if all of this aberrant behavior is good for the people, so I'll try it out first. I don't know if that's exactly what he was saying, but it seems. That's a poor excuse, by the way. Verse 4, he said, I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made for myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasures of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women and many concubines, the delight 
of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it, and behold, listen, and behold, all was vanity, and a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Have you ever tried to catch the wind? Foolishness. And he found it all. Now remember, remember, this is the record of a very, very special man, one dearly loved by God. A man who had been given all of the gifts of this life that a man could ever hope for. He was given the greatest of wisdom, both of the spiritual kind and of the practical kind. Wisdom to truly know God and to teach God's principles throughout His kingdom then, but also to you and me now through these books of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs. And His great wisdom extended into all the matters of the day that He would have to do with of leadership and commerce and governmental affairs. And He amassed wealth both for Himself and for the nation of Israel that was untold. It was just fortunes beyond imagination. And He literally lacked nothing. Nothing. Everything was at His fingertips. And as as we've been saying, this testing of a person's faith reveals so much about them. And that's what took place with Solomon. And that's what God is saying to you and me. Look at these lives. In this case, the wisest man that's ever lived. With Solomon, the testing revealed that even though he was greatly loved and greatly blessed in every way by God, and no doubt, Solomon loved God himself. He wanted to obey God, I'm sure. But when those moments of temptation came his way, even with all of his wisdom, he still gave in to temptation's lure. Do you notice how he made up these thoughts? Oh, I need to experience this or that so that I can see whether or not it would be a good thing for the people that I have charge over in this kingdom. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. He experienced every form of lurid and corrupt behavior. And at the time he penned these words that we just read, he was just immersed in guilt for his evil behavior. Thankfully for Solomon as we can see from some of the final words in Ecclesiastes or in chapter 12, it appears that he did repent. There in chapter 12, verse 13, we read, Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Everything Solomon 
had ever done will be brought into judgment. He will stand there before God in judgment. And this is a message for you and me. Everything that you and I have ever done, ever done, whether it be good or evil, will come before us in judgment and we'll have to deal with it. And the judge of all the earth, the Lord Jesus, will deal with it with us. If this can take place with Solomon, this can take place in the life of every person, even the most devout of believers, even your life and my life. Now, godly wisdom should and usually does protect a person from making wrong choices. But as we can see, the warning is sometimes not, especially if we have this propensity to give in to wrong choices. Circumstances perhaps overwhelm us and we give in too often. So then, this test of our faith that's given to us in this contrast of worldly wisdom and and of godly wisdom, we can be much like Solomon. Though we may have this godly wisdom and we may truly desire this godly wisdom, you and I have to humbly understand that unless we are fully surrendered every moment of every day, this same sort of circumstance can take place with you and me and we can end up making wrong choices. And this warning must not get past you and me today. There are questions to be asked and answered concerning your and my own souls. Are you ready to do that? Are you willing to ask those questions and find those answers? And from this word of truth, we're being asked, what kind of wisdom characterizes you? What kind of wisdom do you have? Is your wisdom earthly, unspiritual, demonic, having jealousy and selfish ambition, disorder, and every vile practice. That's the way it's described. Is that the wisdom that's within your soul? Or is your wisdom pure and peaceable and gentle and open to reason and full of mercy? As I consider myself in light of what I read here and also in light of Solomon's unwise choices, I know more than ever that I want desperately, desperately to make godly, wise choices especially as I head on down these last steps of this last chapter in my life. I want to run this race well, and I want to finish it well. Because I have these words that I just read from Ecclesiastes, that for God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. What's going to take place in your life? What will you do? with this information? Will you simply store it away, become a little wiser from having heard it, or will you put it into practice so that people can see that you have godly wisdom? For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Let's pray.